Kent. And I'm Anna. And this is Film and Family, a podcast about feature filmmaking for professionals in the film industry with families. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. Let's jump right in. All right, so we are going to be talking a little bit about shoulds and coulds, but we'd like to have a few announcements and updates from our end first. First of all, we are making great headway on a lot of new content for the Film and Family Academy, which is members of our Film and Family Academy get a lot of coursework as well as 12 weeks of private coaching currently. And this is so high value. And we are prepping a lot of new course material right now for that Film and Family Academy that we are really excited about. And a lot of it has to do with, like today, we've recorded a lot of materials on how to finance your first feature film and a lot of the nuances that go into that, which I think for me was something I never felt like I learned in film school. And I've talked to a lot of my peers and many of them are still even producers that I know from film school are like, yeah, that's just something no one really knows how to do. That's like the most enigmatic part of filmmaking is financing it. And we're doing lots of other stuff about pitch decking and screenwriting and we've been getting a lot, a lot of work done this last week. So we're really excited to share that with you. If you're curious to know more about what that's all about, check out our last podcast episode on the program or check out the website, invisiblemansion.com forward slash film and family and learn more about that. But it's just something that's on my mind right now because we've been doing so much work on it. And the more we do, the more I'm really excited uh, for people to, to jump into the Film and Family Academy and get all this really valuable knowledge that is going to be transformational, I feel like, to your career. It was transformational to our career, and it's something that we've learned through a mixture of reading loads of books, listening to tons of other people's podcasts, tons of trial and error, industry collaborations, and then just making movies. And so we're excited to distill all of that knowledge into a, uh, a course that I think is much needed right now for independent filmmakers. And this is hard earned knowledge. I think a lot of people when they do learn it because it's so difficult to learn through their own experience and the time and the money that it takes to learn these skills will often feel like they don't want to share it because they want you to have to earn it the hard way that they did. And And it's possible to do without the program that we're creating. Yeah, and, and you could learn this on your yeah, own. You can learn it the hard way. You can make all your own mistakes. You're going to make mistakes one way or another anyway. You can go through and read all the books and whatnot. But if you want something that's going to shoot you directly to your desired outcome, and if that desired outcome is make a first feature film, this is exactly the right course because it's going to it's just a direct road to that end. And we also take you behind the scenes of our latest feature film and show you documents that we used, how we organized everything, things we wished we'd done. We really want to incorporate everything that we learned. So that's why we're doing a lot of this content right now. So we can take you through in more detail with all of these things we've learned. And of course, there's the free checklist that we also mentioned in our last podcast. And I can link to that in the show notes again. You can always check that out. And that's a valuable resource as well. It's a summarized version of everything that's available in the film and family program with much less detail, but it's a great outline and and a valuable resource in and of itself. So definitely check out that free checklist. Let's get into this shoulds and coulds topic. And I'm going to let you take that away. I think you've got some more prepared thoughts to get us started here. Yeah, this is just something that I was taught at some point, probably a few years ago. And since then I've, I haven't been able to un 
see it. <laughs> I see it everywhere. And I notice how many of you are holding yourselves back with the word should. And this is a word that I've intentionally tried to eliminate from my vocabulary because there is no rule book about what everyone should or shouldn't do. Whenever you say should, you're always judging and limiting yourself or those around you. If you're thinking that other people should be different than they are, should do things differently than they are, or that you should be better than you are, that's always coming from a judgmental place. And the result in the model from a sentence with should in it is never good. <laughs> so I just want to invite you to make this one change of should to could and see how much of a difference it makes in all the ways that shows up in your own life. It's such an interesting thing. I mean, really think about the word should. Can you imagine that word existing when you're thinking about it in terms of your own behavior or other people's behavior that is not judgmental? Like it should have been just inherently, we should be able to go back into the past and it just should have been different, right? It, it has a, to me, it carries a sense of frustration. It carries a sense of judgmentalism. And I think most of us recognize that judgment or being judgmental isn't great. Right? Not only is it not great because it's not very effective at creating the results we want most of us in our lives, but it also just doesn't feel great. Like it doesn't feel good and it doesn't generate the kind of feelings that motivate positive action or progress. In fact, usually shoulds create a shame and shame creates a cycle and these cycles usually get us stuck doing the exact thing that we're judging ourselves for or ironically i've found that many times judgment which is born from the word should of other people's behavior gets us stuck in that thing that we're judging other people for and i've seen this actually in my own life where i think I'm never going to make that mistake that that person made, or I'm never going to do that thing that that person does, or that person shouldn't do that. And I actually find myself right in that boat. And that's not like a hundred percent guaranteed, but when you start to stare at the really bad driver who needs to turn their brights off, you're likely going to crash right into them. So it's, it doesn't create the results that we want. So, so yeah, we want to talk about the word could. Yeah. And I think the reason why judgment does that is because we often judge people for what we struggle with ourselves and what we recognize that we struggle with, or sometimes don't even recognize that we struggle with. Often we don't even realize. Yeah. It's so funny to see people, for example, gossip about someone who gossips, <laughs> you oh, know, man, we complain about people complaining. We get angry at people being angry. And oh yeah. We <laughs> yell at people to stop yelling. This is a parental thing mostly, <laughs> but this is something we do because we have a thought about a should that it should be a certain way. And we believe that about ourselves and we believe that about others. And both of those are reinforcing this should when really should is kind of eliminating our agency. It gets in the way of being empowered to make our own choices. So if you think about should even being used in what seems like the most positive way, like, oh, you should really try this thing out. You should really go do that. Even in a positive way where you're you're saying, oh, you would love this, you should do it to someone else. It's not as powerful as being able to feel like you're making that choice on your own and not because someone else told you to do it. On that same token, if we're talking to someone in that way, often we're talking to ourselves in that way. Oh, I should do this, I should do that. And we're limiting our own sense of agency, which makes it really hard for us to do the things we actually feel like we want to. And really when we say we should do something, what we're really saying is 
that we want to do something different. We want to be different or do different. And when other people tell us that we should do something, it's that they want us to do something. They want us to be different, which is why we often experience a lot of resistance when people say, oh, you should really do this differently. (laughs) Even if it's coming from a loving place, your parent saying, oh, maybe you should talk to your children a little kinder or something. You're like, like, okay, 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 I know. All right, yeah, okay, go away. (laughs) But it reinforces this belief that there is a right way to do everything, that there is kind of a correct and an incorrect in everything, when really there are infinite options. You could do it that way. You could do it another way. And you get to choose which one you're going to do. And maybe which one you want to do. Yeah. What you want to do might be the same thing that you're telling yourself that you should do, but it feels much better to do it from believing that you want to do it than believing that you should do it or that you're a bad person if you don't do it. It doesn't get so tied up in your identity. It becomes following what you want in your life. I want to speak kinder to my children instead of, oh, I really should and I'm really bad and and then you just feel terrible. Yeah, because you should has all these implications about, well, there's something wrong with me and I'm so rude and I'm just a bad person. Whereas I want to speak kinder, that has implications of I want to because I am a kind person. Why would I want to be kinder if I wasn't a kind person? Why would I want to be kinder if I wasn't a good person or a good parent or a whatever? And so having that could or I want to, I even recognizing that that's coming from a place where you want that. Yeah, it just leads to thoughts that are more empowering that are going to generate the emotions that drive the actions that are actually that thing you want to be doing. And the other reason that I think that we want to do things And when we say should, it doesn't really work. But when we say want, we want to do those things because we want the results also. I think many of us can detect what the results are of being kinder or more patient with other people. The result is often a better relationship with those people mutually from both sides. And really positive, happy relationships are a great thing, you know? And so we all want that, right? And we all know that kindness and patience and respect are all ingredients to those sort of healthy relationships. But then when we don't live up to those virtues, it's quick and easy to say, well, we should have done it differently. When really what we just need to remind ourselves is we want to, and then remind ourselves why we want to, and recognize that we've got lots and lots of opportunities to do that. And even in the wake of what we might consider failure, wow, I really just like let my kid have it and I yelled at them or maybe spanked them and a man, I don't think that's right. And I shouldn't do that. And well, if you just say, I don't want to do that. And well, what do I want to do as a result now that I've done it the way I don't want to do it? I want to be the kind of person who apologizes or who talks about it or who is humble and is still kind, even in the wake of my own personal failings. It's just easier to let yourself be that when you say that's who I want to be, or that's what I could do. And you explore those options. I think it's a good point that you made, Anna, that there's infinite options. So the word could is more accurate because should is an opinion, whereas could is kind of factual. It's a fact, right? Like Mm -hmm. we could have done any number of things. I mean, you could have just shot that person to death. You know, it's like you don't want to, but Mm -hmm. you could have given them a hug or you could have spoken less and listened more and whatever, you know? And so that could is actually more factual and 
hopefully opens your mind up to more possibilities and less judgment. I love following up that that simple verbiage change from should to could with a want. So changing should to could and then saying, and do I want to or not? Because if if we change the why behind the reason, you know, the why is why we're doing the things that we're doing, it changes the way we feel when we do them. So if we're doing things because we think we should, it's from a sense of obligation. It leads to people pleasing. We're doing this because we think we should because other people think we should or because we think we're a bad person if we don't, which is sort of this shame. And those aren't places that we're going to operate in our best self from those emotions. Yeah, and it doesn't create a culture in our families or in our teams or our organizations that help other people to feel like they can operate if your children feel like mom and dad think I should do X, Y, Z constantly and that they're constantly under scrutiny, then it becomes hard for them to think in terms of what do I want to do? Whereas if you're presenting options to them and ideas, and then they get to choose what they want to do with their own agency, they're going to usually be inclined to want to do the right thing in that same way. It creates a little bit more of a, a space where they can think that way more naturally. Yeah, when you can say that to your child, like, yeah, you could do that. You could go hit your brother. Do you think that would work? Yeah. Do you think you'll get what you do want from that? Do you think you'll that? feel good if do you, you do that? Do you want to hit your brother? Do you want to make your brother cry? What, what else, else could, could we do, do yeah. to get this result that you want? Because that's also, once again, factual. When we say you, you can't do that, don't do that. That's not really true, right? I mean, like they could, they could. And sometimes they'll want to prove, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. That only makes, <laughs> yeah. Let me show you. <laughs> but yeah, when you, and when you just acknowledge like you could do that really bad thing, you could go do that thing right now. Do you really want to? You could also do these other things. Would you want to do those instead? It's up to you. You choose what you want to do. Then, you know, man, that was oddly a super frustrating thing when my parents actually did that right. They were always like, I'm going to let you make that decision. And you go, Ah, <laughs> well, I know what I should do, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I wish I, I wish they would just make that decision for me, but it's because we know right and wrong and our children know right and wrong most of the time if we've done a decent job, at least explaining it. And so giving them that agency is powerful though, because it, it makes them have to own their own decisions. And it's just as powerful to do that for ourselves. And we sometimes forget to do that for ourselves. And it's super hard to do it for others if we're not doing it for ourselves. And that's why it behooves us if we want to be good team leaders, filmmakers, producers, directors, whatever, if we want to be the best parents that we can be, it behooves us to be that person for ourselves first. Because if we're that person for ourselves, we're much more likely to treat other people in terms of could, in terms of want, what do you want to do, in terms of respecting their agency and giving them the space to make those decisions and they're much more liable to make the right choice when we do that as opposed to cornering them and pushing and coercing them into those things, which rarely works. And, that's, and if it uh, does, it's from a place of fear or obligation, which is not actually going to generate the result. Desire. You want, yeah. You know? And, and it doesn't, and it rarely, if ever works on yourself because you end up in that should loop and you rarely do what you should do when you tell yourself you should do it <laughs> and you make yourself feel guilty and full of shame, uh, and even if you do, it's from willpower and it's not sustainable. Yeah. You'll burn out. Man, I shouldn't look at that thing or I shouldn't say those words. You might be able to fix that for a few days and then you're going to burn out and do the thing you know you shouldn't do again because 
you're not coming from a true place of desire. Your heart doesn't desire. It's good to acknowledge I could do that thing. I could do that bad thing if I want to. Do I want to? Do I want to? Yeah. And looking back, a lot of times we use should in the past tense too. I should have done this differently. We fill ourselves with regret. Oh, if only I had tried something else with my children, whatever. Because the past is over and you can't go back and change it, this is not productive. But you can change the way that you think about it. And that is productive. Because the thoughts you have are present. Yeah. If anything in the past is bothering you now, it's only because of thoughts you're having about it now. In terms of should, You can't feel (laughs) feelings from your past. You only feel feelings from your thoughts right now about your past. So the past can't hurt you anymore. It's past. But if you're thinking that you should have done something differently, you might feel regret. You might feel emotions that are painful right now. And you can change the way you think about the past. Um, Here's the truth. What you did is what you should have done because it's what you did. And that's okay. Sometimes what we should have done is made mistakes because that's part of this life. Exploring that contrast is how we figure out what we want. Yeah, that was part of the point of being born and coming into this life. I I mean, whether you believe that or not, it's really true. (laughs) It's part of the point of coming to this life and making mistakes. And it's so universal. And to act like we're going to be this exception of all exceptions and be the person who doesn't make any of those dumb mistakes is just really futile born from this judgmental place of shouldness. We all experience it to some degree. We experience a loss of health to some degree that helps us understand that we want to be healthy and it will inform our choices and what we decide to do. We all experience pain and sadness and all sorts of uncomfortable things to a degree which only help us solidify what we do want, what we do like, and pursue that with a good motivation and good reasons. And the same is true for mistakes. And we're all going to make mistakes that we look back on and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that thing. But once again, when you change the framing of that past memory and say, I could have done this thing. And I thought that I wanted to do this thing. And now I know I don't want that. And what I actually (laughs) want is this. And, And you can start to learn from that and you can start to make decisions that are actually going to inform your current and future decisions um, and choices in similar or repeated moments like that or even different moments, but the learning can still apply. And so, yeah, could is far more productive perspective. Uh, This is something I know I definitely need more of in my life is that could perspective over that should perspective. And it's powerful it's powerful. And I know that as we start to implement this new way of thinking, we will actually start to live the way we want to. We will actually start to see the results we want in our lives. And I've seen this a lot for filmmakers. A lot of filmmakers say, I'm this old and I haven't made this thing yet. I should be at this point in my career by now. I should be in better habits right now in terms of I should be dating more, or I should treat my family better, or I should have written a feature screenplay by now, or I should have gotten funding for this thing by now. None of that is productive, right? But if it's, I could date more, I could, I could ask that, that, that boy or that girl out on a date right now. You know, it's like, I could, I could ask so-and-so I could, I could write a little more. I could write this idea or maybe this other idea, you know, which idea do I want to write? When do I want to write? How much do I want to write? What do I want my job to look like? What, jobs do I want to apply for? 
should I apply for that job? Maybe I could just say, could I apply? Or what jobs could I apply for? You start to decide your life as opposed to feel bad about your life so much. And I have seen these shifts, whether people realize they're making them or not, happen in a lot of the clients that we've worked with's lives. And you see it affect their personal lives. You see it affect their film careers. And those things that they thought they should be doing, they change their paradigm to could and what do I actually want to do? And very naturally, they start to do all those things all of a sudden. The things that they never did, even though they just shamed themselves to death and shoulded themselves to death, that never worked. It just didn't work. And they tried it for years. And then they were like, man, I'm umpteen years old and haven't done anything with my life. And then all of a sudden, they just changed their way of thinking. And it feels better. It's more satisfying. They actually start to progress and move forward finally. So it's really, it's a great, it's a great thing to see. And what we, a big part of what we try to do is make filmmaking more accessible to more people. A lot of you are holding yourself back because you believe there's a certain way it has to look that it should be. Or it should be done a certain way. Yeah. Even when we outline this stuff in the film and family program, I want you to take it as a could, not a should. We're not saying you should make your film this way. We're saying this is one way that you could make a film. And hopefully that gives you a new idea, a new perspective that might fit your situation better if you're someone who has a family or who doesn't want to go the classic climb the ladder in LA studio route and you want to find something else. It opens up your mind to other possibilities, but it's not the only possibility. It's just one more could. And so hopefully that helps you find an abundance of creative options that are available to you and not feel like you're stuck in one should that's inaccessible. There are so many different ways to have the things that you want. You've heard people express that they feel like because of their circumstances, they have to go through some sort of back door, whereas there's this front door that everyone else is going through to get in to the filmmaking industry. And it's really not true. It's like a circular house with an even number of doors all the way around it, right? It's a tent that you could walk into that tent via any direction. So it's this could thing, right? Once again, there's no front door that you should go through and the rest of them are all shady or difficult or wrong. It's once again, how many ways are there to make a film? Really, the only things that have to happen to make a movie is that someone has to hit the red record button and you have to show it to people. I don't know. There doesn't have to be words. There might be. There doesn't have to be a script, but I like script writing and I like scripts. There doesn't have to be a certain number of dollars behind it. There doesn't have to be certain actors or actresses in it or not in it. It doesn't have to go theatrical. It could. It could go theatrical. Nowadays, there are so many more coulds than yeah. ever before, which just means that the world of possibilities are open for filmmakers. Same with family life, I feel like. I mean, who should be working? Who should be breadwinning? How many kids should you have? Where should you live? Should you buy a house? There's actually more options and opportunities for people who want to have families. And because of those things both being so just available, I believe that filmmakers with families, which is what we're kind of all about, have more options than ever before to have a family and to have a thriving career that's profitable in feature filmmaking. Um, it's all possible. You can do it. You, It's that can, it's that could, it's not the should. Yeah. And if you think about this analogy of the round house with doors all the way around, even if there's a side that a lot of people you know are going through, you could go the same route that other people are going, but you want to see what makes the most sense for you? Because maybe for them, that's the easy route because they're on that side. 
but maybe for you, there's a much easier route that's closer to where you are. And so it's different for every person. And when we think that there's one should, one way that it has to be, not only do we sometimes end up taking a longer route for ourselves and maybe never even ending up there, but we also start to judge other people who go a certain way that's different and say, oh, no, you shouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way Yeah, because we see the world that way is, is very black and white. Just for your homework, <laughs> try to catch yourself when you hear yourself say the word should. Either see. in your self-talk, your inner speech, mm -hmm. or even out loud to other people. Notice that and try switching it to a could. And with that could, think about, do I want to? Do I not want to? Just see how that changes your perspective in a variety of situations and notice how other people say it and what that reveals about where they might be stuck and where maybe you could help them see possibility. So keep an eye out for that. It's something that, again, is a little almost, I know you hate the word brain hack, Kent, that phrase, but- Do I? <laughs> I feel like you've said you don't like that before, but- You shouldn't, you shouldn't speak for me. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I could just assume that <laughs> <it's not true>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to assume that you don't hate things. <laughs> That's good. So I don't hate somewhat anything. of a little brain hack because it's just a simple word switch, but it has made a huge difference for me to notice that and make that switch in my own mind. So we want to share it with you today and let us know how it goes. Thanks for joining us on this episode. And we hope that you continue to join us on subsequent episodes and be sure to check out old episodes uh, that are all available on filmandfamily.com or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, you'll once again love our Film and Family Academy that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Yep. This academy is risk-free. If you follow all the steps in the program, it's one way to finance and finish your first feature film. And we promise that by the end, you will have a finished film or we'll give you your money back. So that's why it's risk-free. Best of all, we'll teach you how to do this in a way that doesn't sacrifice your relationships, your values, or your sanity. So go ahead and check that out. Sign up for your free consultation at www.invisiblemansion.com forward slash film and family. Or we have a direct link in the show notes that you can click on. And again, we are giving out free t-shirts right now for those who sign up for a consultation while supplies last just as a fun little bonus so they're dope invisible mansion pictures t-shirts and you know who, who doesn't need a free t-shirt i could use more invisible mansion pictures t-shirts in my life so <laughs> um anyway nothing to lose awesome well thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time bye bye